coming up on the Life Recreated Podcast. It's okay if other people lie to you. Just don't lie to yourself. Mm. Don't lie to yourself about your, your, your strengths. Don't lie to yourself about your weaknesses. And those things that, that bring you, you know, that you can focus on your, you know, focusing on your strengths um, is great. And you should focus on your strength. Yeah, other people, let them lie to you all day long, tell you everything, you know, but just don't lie to yourself. Be true to yourself, positively and negatively. If you want to be the best man that you can be, that's the best thing I think you can do. Hey, what's going on? This is Nick back with the Life Recreator podcast, where it's all about learning, healing and growing. Um, on today's episode, I am super, super, super excited about who I'm going to be having this conversation with and just talking um, about life, about being a man going through that process is my good friend, Billy Cook. He is currently right now the founder. He's a CEO of Pro Sim Services Company, a government contracting company. He served 30 plus years as a commission officer for the U.S. Army. He's also served for our local Norfolk Public School Board as a teacher. Um, he's been a board member in there. So he's been in the, uh, the, the school environment and just seeing what's happening um, with a lot of, of kids that are getting and are going through that. And um, he's also been operations manager of the Up Center. He's been a group facilitator uh, for the Up Center. Um, I know I've, I've been uh, uh, checking you out a little bit. I've seen you ran for a couple of city councils and different things in the area. And yeah. so so he's going to bring a wealth of knowledge, man. I want to welcome uh, my good friend, Billy Cook. How you doing, brother? Hey, brother. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm glad to be here with you. Yes, sir. Um, no, you, you, you're doing what God has called you to do, you doing what's in your heart to do, and I'm just glad to be a part of it. I appreciate it, man, and I appreciate you just jumping on and giving us uh, your time. So let's dive right in, man, because I like to. I want to get to the to the juicy stuff because I know you got a lot of wisdom, and you got mm -hmm. a lot of wealth of wisdom. Um, just from your experience, talk to me a little bit about like where are you from. Are you from this area, um, originally, or where are you from? What's your background? Well, military family. So I was born in Baltimore. Um, I think I moved here. My family moved here to Norfolk when I was either six weeks old or six months old, and we moved to Norfolk. And so, um, you know, I'm from Baltimore because every for 18 years, every summer, we went back to Baltimore to see my dad's people and my mom's people as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. And then when you, so growing up in this area, after you got out of high school, you went straight to the military. I mean, I'm thinking 30 plus years, was that straight into the military after school or high school? Well, I actually joined my senior year of high school. I joined uh, the army reserves, graduated June, 1981. Uh, two weeks later, I was at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, uh, graduated from there sometime in August. About two to three weeks later, I was at Virginia Tech where I went to college. Uh, four years there, so I was going to college, but I was also an Army Reservist, so my clock started kind of early. Um, but kind of had this mindset that I wanted to be in the military. I don't know about your generation, but we used to buy these Army men, these little green Army men in a big old bag, probably cost $2. And, 
Yeah, yeah. And we played with those things and uh, out in the dirt somewhere. Um, and the military, I was hooked from that point on. So from early on, you already decided that in your mind, this is what you were going to do pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Just just from those experiences. Um, but when I look back, I still think it was a God thing. Right, right, right. Explain that. What do you think? What do you think? Well, 32 years is a long time, right? You know, um, and it was, it wasn't easy becoming an officer, you know, leading people. Um, I was a logistician. So that simply means that I provided services and I, I provided supplies um, that range from food and water to gasoline to construction supplies, uh, services like laundry, services like mail. E- even at the end of my career, I had banking somewhere under my, you know, kind of my area of responsibility. And so the success of those 32 years uh, was up and down. But uh, again, it's a big God thing where I learned so much as a man. I learned so much as an African-American man. I learned so much as a leader. And um, yeah, it truly made an impact on my entire life during the military and even after. After, yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, like I talked to a lot of guys and I personally believe because I served eight years in the Navy. And I think that that was for me, one of the life changing experiences that I had, like, because it just changed Mm -hmm. how much I looked at life, what I took seriously, how I approached life, you approach it completely different. Um, You know, I always think about how, when we're in the military, we get the opportunity to learn how to execute, right? I don't think that Mm -hmm. a lot of guys, a lot of men, sometimes that nobody ever taught them like how to have you know, somewhere they're trying to go or something they're trying to get to and take steps to get there. Right. Right. A lot of people don't get that, that, that kind of opportunity. So I think that's great. When, when you mentioned something that I was thinking about, what was that like? Cause you know, obviously it was 30, 30 plus years ago. What was that? What was that like as a black man kind of going through that and navigating it? Like, especially college and all those mm-hmm. different, that experience, like. Well, you know, I had some experiences early where when I look back on it, um, there was a racial tint to it. Um, For example, I was rated probably my third year, I was rated very low on this spectrum. We had a spectrum of, of blocks, top block, second block, third block, and fourth block. Mm-hmm. And I was rated a three, a three block. Now, mind you, um, no issues. Uh, uniform looked good. I was in shape. Uh, no issues within my units where I was responsible for, you know, soldiers. Um, and I went and talked to the gentleman, the, the, the colonel who rated me. And I said, I don't understand, you know, and it took some guts for me to do that. So here I am building this, this, accountability for myself, uh, respect for myself, this courage to go and say, wait a minute, what's going on here, right? And so that was a defining moment for me 
because I was challenged and had no idea of what to do other than to go and confront the challenge. Right? Yeah. So at the same time, we, there was an organization that was created before I was in the army and it was called the rocks. Right. And it was African-American officers who had been in the military and who had done some studies. Um, as a matter of fact, one went to a graduate school situation and he wrote a paper on what black officers needed to do, whether or not we, we would wear a mustache. You know, what would we do after? Uh, because most of us were young. You know, we, we kind of, you know, would, would gravitate to our people. But then we had to remember that we were officers and they were enlisted. And so at that time they had enlisted clubs and they had officer clubs. And we knew that we couldn't go to the enlisted club because they were playing the music probably we were more familiar with. And so we just, it was just a cultural understanding that we had to have. And I think across the army, African-American officers, soldiers were aware that we needed to really understand what we were facing so it's it's a lot there but um yeah yeah so so that's interesting so if i'm understanding what you're saying you had a group of these are black officers already and they realized that these younger officers are coming into the military and they don't understand the proper culture to help them excel so they decided hey, we're going to write a manual, and this is like for black officers. Like, follow this if you want to see. So when I think about that, I think I think about how powerful that is, number one, that they would have, like, the wisdom to say, yeah. okay, we need to try and help these young officers coming in. How do you think, for you, looking back on that and having mm-hmm. older guys kind of give you that game, how do you think that helped your career? Like when you kind of look at like experiencing that and how your career ended up playing out after that. That situation that I described where I was rated low, uh, that happened around the same time that this document, because it was a it was a paper that was written and it was circulated via email. Um, and I think it gave me courage. It gave me the courage to know that I wasn't alone and that uh, what I was feeling was was real. And then it gave me the courage to figure out, okay, let me go do what's in my heart to do and stand up for myself. Right, right. And so do you also think too that, that not only just with the courage, do you think that I kind of, knowing in the back of your mind now that you have the support that you would need because there are other guys that are experienced. Do you think that helped out a lot with that too? Yeah. Again, God was, you know, working some things out. My oldest brother um, was in the military, was in the army. Uh, He would call me and give me some wisdom. He was an enlisted soldier. Um, I was placed. There was one particular senior officer there who was a great example for me, uh, who I could talk with, 
And so, you know, it, it there was some strategy going on way above my pay grade, as we say, to <laughs> help me be successful. But yeah. that that paper and the fact that that paper was published and, and passed around, uh, I think, gave me a foundation, again, that I was not alone and that, you know, there was an expectation that we had to carry as young African-American officers. Right. Now, in the current, so with that in mind, what do you think mm -hmm. about the current state of what we're seeing, like, with younger men coming up? You know what I mean? Like, I think that one of the reasons that I've, I've been having a lot of these conversations is, yeah. is just because I think it's part of our responsibility to say, to have these type of conversations and use those conversations to try and help younger men that are coming up. When you see that example of what these older officers did for you mm -hmm. and how it made you a success, what do you think we need to do kind of like in our current situation to help some of the younger men that may not be military, but just coming up, like just learning right. how to be a man, you know what I mean? Like, what do you think, we can kind of offer and bring to the table when it comes to that. Well, one of the things that comes to mind is what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. And even you're mentioning that with technology that you can record this. Someone may not, you, you never know who may see this. Yeah. Um, so we've got to have our voices heard, the voices of, of reason, the voices the foundational voices, and, and, and let me explain that just for a minute. Mm -hmm. you, know, I, I, you know, I taught in school, as you mentioned, and one concern when I stopped teaching was that there's a generation of teachers who were connected to old societal standards. When an adult talks to you, you know, you pay attention, you, you make eye contact, um, I know that yes, sir, and, and no ma'am has gone out the window culturally, but they were still connected to demanding that respect. Mm -hmm. And so that it's now our turn to make sure that we still have those same societal, cultural, cultural uh, standards that they're still promoted. And I tried to do that my last couple of years of teaching. And I told stories about um, not being able to talk until I was, you know, acknowledged by an adult. Mm -hmm. Whereas now with, with the mentality that we have with social media, you know, my grandbaby can go on Facebook and comment on something that I'm writing without asking me for permission. Yeah. She can interrupt. And so think about that. So I've had situations in the classroom where I've had to tell kids, listen, don't interrupt me. I'm talking to someone else and this is not social media. Mm -hmm. So the challenge I think is social cultural norms were more respectful of age, of position, of others than they are now because it's 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 wide open now. And I understand that the military is even having issues where 
Uh, soldiers aren't recognizing ranks. Um, they're not, you know, it, it's just a, a, a cultural change that we have to, that we have to address. And again, what you're doing here, I hope there's someone here, I, I believe somebody's going to hear this that needs to reflect back on what their grandma told them. Right. About how to raise their children or how to respect themselves or something like that. Right, right. And I agree with you. I, I, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, you see it. Um, even, you know, I have younger kids and I have eight year old and a six year old. And, you know, sometimes when I go and I interact with some of the other kids and, you know, even my kids sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. know sometimes they let things slip and I got to correct and be like, nah, that's not how we're going to do that. You know, and, and right. just kind of stay on them about that and, and, and be, be more intentional about it because, you know, now, like you mentioned before, we're living in a time where the intentionality of keeping those proper boundaries is mm -hmm. slowly fading away. Yeah. People aren't, aren't, you know, looking at it with the same type of respect that it, that it really deserves, you know? So yeah, we always said, you know, we tell this story of if you were walking down your street and Miss Jones was leaning out, you know, sitting in front of her house and you, you, you had a, a a bad word, you know, on the tip of your tongue. When you saw her, you would swallow it. Yeah. You know, uh, you probably if you were talking loud and you were walking past Miss Jones' house, you would, you know, quiet down some. Yeah. But now the language, all of those, as you said, the boundaries have been broken down. And yeah. so somebody's got to... Uh, continue to, to be the voice to get some of those boundaries back to where they need to be. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Now, when, you know, when you talk about growing up and I know you mentioned grandma and growing up, did you, mm -hmm. how, what was your structure like when you were growing up within your home? Was mom and dad there? Was What was that situation like? Yeah, mom and dad was there. Uh, four brothers and one sister. Mom was a foster parent. So, We've all we always had somebody else in the house. Um from a young Haitian sister and brother to a young lady who um you know had some mental health challenges and some developmental challenges to a older couple. Um so we always had somebody in the house. But I will tell you, my village, and and, and that may sound I really had a village because I had Miss Jones down the street. I had across the street um, a, a, one of my neighborhood moms who's like 90. I'm sorry, she's 89 now. Mm -hmm. And so I still go see her now, uh, Miss Lambert. And, you know, she still tells me stories about when I was young because she lived across the street. Right. And then, you know, on top of that, I had the church family. Uh, I went to church at St. Paul, Church of God in Christ in Campostella, and that was a big old family because we went to church at least uh, two and a half times a week, not counting Sunday, and so that was a big family. Um, yeah, yeah, man. Growing up was great. That's Growing good. up um, in my generation with all of that family was great.
Yeah. I, the reason I ask that is because it's interesting. You know, I, I had a conversation. I had an interview with a, another guy um, and we were talking about support. Right. And how important, like how the support that you either received or that you didn't receive when you were older, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. that shapes you as a man, as you get older and you become like your own man because you know we we kind of just talked about different situations where we remember specific times where we wanted support from those in our environment at a young age but we never got it so now you get older and you're like it's this challenge that you're facing of like okay can i really do this or can i really pursue Mm -hmm. this so with all that support that you got i'm just trying to tap into your brain a little bit with a lot of that support that you got as you got older, how do you feel that that affected your ability to accomplish things, accomplish goals, put things, do you think that that helped form a lot of it? Because, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, Hey, I'm being supported. And I got somebody behind mm-hmm. me. Well, I received a lot of encouragement um, from my family and my extended family. I I received, you know, in the church, we were active. My family in Baltimore, both sides, uh, just received a lot of encouragement um, to be who I am. And, you know, along the way, accomplishing things in school, that encouragement helped me as a man even with the flaws that we all have, the challenges we all have, it helped me to realize that I was accountable to those who were encouraging me. Now, some of them are long gone. Most, a lot of them are long and gone, but it's still, you know, I still feel my mom, sometimes I can feel her presence, if you will, that, makes me want to replicate what she did for me. So I'm an encourager that makes me want to do uh, what I saw leaders in the community. So, you you know, you talked about I ran for city council and all of that, and I served in the community. I didn't do that because, you know, you're military, and I wanted another badge or yeah. another name. I did that because I felt like, it was something that God wanted me to do. And and that came through the encouragement that I received from other people um, to just make a difference um, in my sphere of influence. Right. I think what you mentioned, and I, and I wrote it down, I thought it was interesting. I never, I never really heard it worded like that, but you said that mm-hmm. you were accountable to those who encouraged you. Like there was yeah. a there was this responsibility that you had. It sounded like where you said, okay, these folks were there to encourage me, there to build me up. I have to do something with this now. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think when you think about that, I think like when you think about getting that that encouragement and actually receiving it, it almost kind of pushes you to say, okay, now I can do more. I can be more because all these people are believing in me being able to do it, you know? I think that's huge. How do you think? Because you have children of your own right now, right? How old are your kids? Your kids are like grown. We, yeah, yeah. We have four adult kids, uh, 33, 31, 28, and uh, 24. Okay, gotcha. So now 
with what you experienced growing up, how do you, how did you take that and apply it to when your kids were growing up? Like what was your mindset kind of raising them? I will give you one challenge perspective. When I grew up, my dad was in the Navy. So my dad was gone a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I played sports in high school, but between the military and the Navy, I'm sorry, between the military and the church, <laughs> because Friday nights was, was family night at church, mm -hmm. but we played basketball on Friday nights. So in my four years of playing basketball, um, my parents never saw me play. And I was a pretty decent player. I mean, I, you know, I was team captain, moved up to varsity, um, you know, got a couple, some interest to play college basketball, ended up playing junior varsity at Virginia Tech. But my parents never saw me play. Okay. And... Yeah, due to the military and the church. Wow. How did that make you feel? Because I had that. It's so crazy you say that. Because the guy I was talking to yesterday, yeah. the same thing. Like, he was like, man, I love doing something, but my parents never showed up. I played ball, too, and they never, like, they didn't show up to any of the games. And I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. So how, how, did, how did that make you feel, like, as a man, like, experiencing that? Because that's something that we all, like, remember, right? Yeah, and, and, and really, I wasn't emotional about it. I didn't have any particular uh, emotion to it. I wasn't angry. Um, you know, I wasn't happy about it. But when when my kids were growing up, and I'm answering your question from before, yeah. I wanted to make sure that I was there and that I was seen and that, um, you know, I wasn't the, the overbearing parent but I remember my, my oldest son was running track. And so a good friend of mine was a track superstar in high school and college, and now he was coaching. And I was getting ready to deploy. So I hired him to, to coach him. And I even wrote out like a phys I, I did some research on some physical training that my son could do uh, just so he would know that, hey, you know, dad's really interested in what I'm doing. Right. And so my daughter uh, is in performing arts, and we, you know, we would show up. I know a little bit about dance now from all the dances I went to watching her. My other son played football. And so and then my other son, um, my youngest son, was in performing arts as well. So from that situation, I didn't want them to say what I said. Now, again, no emotion behind it, but I just wanted them to see that I was there supporting them and whatever it is that they found to their liking to, to, that they wanted to do for themselves, like a sport or, or, or performing arts. Okay. So that's, and that's good. I think I, I kind of took that same approach too from that experience yeah. that I had where I was like, okay, now I just need to show up. I need to be there. Um, because my presence, you know, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. before, presence is really probably more important than everything else. You know, like just yeah, know yeah. dad is there, like watching mm -hmm. me. That does something I feel like to a child when they see that. I remember when my kids started school, I, t I told my wife, I said, they're going to see me up in this school all the time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's going on? What's because I felt like a lot of times, especially as a black father, 
that they were like, oh, well, they're never present. They don't show mm-hmm. up. They're not involved. And it's like, nah, that's not how it's going to be in my, you know, in my situation. Cause I think it's, it's, and I, I'll take you a little deeper. Um, and this is why I think I didn't have much emotion behind it because I thought about my dad. My dad was the youngest of nine kids. Mm. And um, his dad left, they split up when he was a child. Oh, wow. And the strong, the strongest family members in that household, in that family, were all women. I'm told my aunts were gun carrying, don't mess around, <laughs> don't yeah. mess around with my family. Um, they might drink some bourbon or some whiskey. And all beautiful, beautiful women to me, but they were, I'm told they were some tough women. And so I gave my dad grace to say that he never had the example. Now he was a good athlete in, in college, I mean, in high school, ran track, and he um, also uh, wrestled. And, you know, he passed away in October, man. And, um, at the age of, um, 88 and I learned for the first time that he was recruited to to wrestle in college, but I don't know if it was a financial issue or something, but he joined the Navy instead of going to college, he joined the Navy. Wow. And so, you know, I just gave my dad a lot of grace in, in some other areas too, because I said he wasn't raised by his dad. Yeah. And I think that's important as men, particularly if we have issues with our dads or our moms or some other relative that's that's perhaps gone, we've got to empathize with them and, and try to figure out why were they the way that they were. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of take the emotion out of it and do some fact-finding and some you know, some some maybe estimating the impact of my dad not being raised by his dad. Right, right. I think that's important because my, my dad was in the same situation, you know. Oh, okay, okay. Not being raised by, he was raised by his grandparents. They were very strict. Um, You know, my family's Jamaican. And so mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, just the West Indian culture and stuff like that. And uh, it, it wasn't until recently that for man for the longest i was so i was just mad at him and i i didn't i didn't understand i didn't i didn't know that i was that i had this underlying anger towards him about Mm -hmm. things that had happened when i was growing up until i confronted him about those things like and i sat down with him and i was like hey you know like x y and z happened you know like Mm -hmm. i think kind of played that a little bit you know just from my understanding and you know he apologized and he was like look i i'm i'm sorry I, that's not what i meant i was just doing the best and when i looked at the fact that for who my father became and is becoming knowing his background like now knowing his story sitting down and talking to him mm-hmm. i'm like okay like you said you extend that grace and you're just like yeah pops i know you're really trying to just do the best and you did a damn sure good job because I, yeah. you know, my, my statistics based on where we were from, I should be in jail, locked up, you know, all these different things. And, 
you did a damn good job keeping me out of all of that with what you were given. I think that's where that grace needs to really come into play for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 One thing I have been thinking about too is, you know, um, I know, you know, you're what, and, and I mean, we don't have to dive into a lot of, it if you don't want, but what was that like when, when your, your, your father did pass away? Like, how did that, how do you, how did that impact you or, or kind of affect you? Well, it, it was tough, man, because one day he was there and the next, you know, the next day he was gone. Uh, we weren't, I mean, my dad would call, my dad would call, you still there? I, I see a black screen, so I'm not sure. But anyway, I'll continue. My oh, dad yeah. would call probably twice a week. And so, you know, you were like, okay, dad, you know, and he was forgetting things. And we would go, hey, Dad, we just talked about that, you know. So you had to have some grace on that as well. But my mom died 30-some years ago, and I was a mama's boy. And so, again, I empathized with my dad because he had had two strokes. And I said, he's in a better place. He's with he's with the love of his life. Um, and so, you know, I have a picture of him that I speak to some mornings and uh, I still miss him, you know, but I know he's in the, I, I literally know that he's in a better place. So. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad, you know, you're able to, to, to have that, that, uh, you know, have those moments and then kind of come to that maturity too. Like you said, you give, you give, I think there's a lot of us as guys that we're so, angry at our fathers for whatever reason yeah. like things that may have happened or you know things that they may have said or lack of mm-hmm. them being there we're so angry at them in and instead of saying as we start becoming men we understand how hard it is sometimes to go through and the challenges that you face as a man and then being able to look back and say you know what man now I see how hard this really is. So I got to give him some grace. I got to give him some slack on that, man. And I think it can really help your relationship for sure. You know, Martin Luther King um, said something similar to what I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase it. But the burden of not giving your dad grace and having anger or hurt or unforgiveness that burden is heavy to carry, mm-hmm. particularly if you don't take the opportunity to try to understand. Maybe your dad was angry because, as you, as we both have alluded to, because of their upbringing. And so you giving your dad credit, me giving my dad grace um, because of what they went through, because of us being able to empathize with them before we were even thought of is is a a just a great thing to do to release you from the burden of carrying all of that over the years. Yeah. And so I would say to any man that has an issue um you know with the dad in that sense make that effort to try to understand what happened to him, what could have happened to him, what might have happened to him or her or your mom or grandma or somebody else that had them to be who they were that impacted you so negatively. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know? I just think that's important. And I think to add to it, sometimes you might have to be a little bit persistent in yeah. trying to figure that out. Right. Cause yeah. you know, we confront our parents and they're like, nah, I didn't do that. Like, what are you talking about? Like that never happened. Or, yeah. you know, they want to not take responsibility for those actions. Um, and so, mm -hmm. yeah, being persistent makes a makes a, a huge impact. So I, I'm, I'm, I want to kind of like switch switch a little bit of gears because I want to kind of, mm -hmm. you know, just get a little bit of wisdom. So, you know, um, how old are you now? If you don't mind me asking. I'm 59. I'll be 60 in April, man. 60 in April. Okay, gotcha. That's yeah. good. And you look great. I mean, hey, this gives me a that. This is good. This is good. So, you know, you're, you're, you're about to turn 60 and obviously, you know, you've lived some life, you've had some experiences, you know, if you could give, if you could go back, I like to look mm -hmm. at this. I don't like to say, all right, if you can go back to 18, what are you going to tell yourself? Cause mm -hmm. you already know if you go back to your 18 year old self and you tell yourself that you're still oh, going yeah. to do right. So yep. I like to be a little bit more realistic. So you're about to, you're about to turn 60. You know, you're you've accomplished some things, you've gone through some things, you've experienced some things as a black man, especially in this country, especially in the different positions. If you were to go back to your 25 year old self mm -hmm. um, and give the 25 year old Billy some advice, because, you know, at that age, you probably would take it and listen to it. Based on what you've experienced over these decades, what would some of that advice be that you would give your give yourself at 25 in no particular order i would say dream big or bigger i would say set your goals i've been really blessed man i've done some i have i have been blessed to do some things like running for city council like having my name respected in the community because of my efforts to to run for city council or being on the school board but I would still say to my 25-year-old self, continue to, to dream big. And I'm happy when I look back yeah. because the things that I did, and again, it comes from the encouragement I received. It comes from me recognizing God was there. Um, I took some risk. The military was risk. At one point, we were talking about getting out because it was tough. Uh, but I took the risk. I took the risk to go overseas. Uh, I think I had an assignment where I was either going overseas during Desert Shield, Desert Storm, or I was going to Italy. Mm. <laughs> and so I, I said, no, send me, send me to the war. Yeah. Um, because, you know, uh, my first command I wrote um, a general officer on a three three by five card, and I sent the card to him because that's how we communicated in his command. And I said, I think I could command this company, and he gave me the company. Mm. Um, so I'm happy when I look back that you know sometimes in my conversation with God now I say, Well, God, I ran for city council three times. But I'm okay because I didn't lose. I learned and I yeah. felt like it was a calling. And so that 25 year old, I would say, hey, hang in there, keep taking risks, dream bigger. That that's that's what comes to mind at, at this moment, just just responding to your question. 
I got you. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think that's important too, because, you know, you think back on it and you look at it and you're like, man, there are things that if I would have, you know, like you said, dreamed a little bit bigger on, mm -hmm. not even a little bit, but just dreaming bigger, you know, yeah. um, much more you could probably accomplish. How how long you, you how long you been married for? We've been married uh 30, man, now I got to get this number right. We were married this year this year will be 37 years. In August it'll be 37 years. 37 years. Okay, what's the yeah. biggest challenge that you've had in marriage so far? 37 years. That's a long ride. The biggest what now? The biggest challenge that you've had in marriage. Well, you know, marriage is, is between two different people. Yeah. And you've you've got to adjudicate those differences all the way through. The 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 skill and the tendency to empathize. Even though I'm a man and I don't know what it is to really be a woman, I had to learn, Sharon, and 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 apply that empathy at times and say, okay, why? What okay, why would she be doing that? Or why would she do this? Or what did she mean? Why did she say what she said? Empathy for me, and I think it also comes from leadership that I learned in the military. You have to empathize with other people. You have to try your best to try to understand why they do what they do or say what they say. And that's very important in a marriage because me looking at myself through her lens made me change some things. <laughs> You said me looking at myself through her lens. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. And now was that based on her feedback to you? Like what she was telling you, how you were responding or how'd you come to those, those uh, kind of conclusions? Again, that tendency to be self accountable yeah. and just to empathize with other people. I mean, when you empathize with other people, right? That it takes it takes some um, self-respect, but that's not what I'm really looking for. But it, it takes some humility and understanding people, and it takes the fact that you, you have to understand nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. And if I'm if I'm really cognizant about the fact that there's a reason why I do stuff then there must be a reason why other people do stuff. Mm -hmm. And then having the mindset to go, wait a minute, let me try to figure out why they're doing or said what they said. And in marriage, if, if a man can't empathize with his wife and if a wife doesn't empathize at times with her husband, you know, and yeah, you do, you, I mean, communication is important. We know that. Um, but, you know, we don't always just communicate with words. We communicate with actions. And, and patterns of behavior. And, and yeah, over 37 years, um, you know, every day is still a new day. Yeah. Yeah. That's you true. know, well, I applaud you for that. <laughs> you know, I think something I've been thinking about, like just even looking at, you know, I see like a lot of younger guys that are, are not wanting to pursue marriage. you right. Yeah. They're not wanting yeah. To, to look for marriage and not thinking that, you know, it's worth it. I tell folks, you know, besides me getting saved, besides me giving my life to Christ and, and having mm -hmm. that portion of me, the second best thing that's happened to me is me and my wife coming together. Like just because yeah. 
there's things that I've been able to accomplish and, and things that I've been able to try and pursue because I knew I had her support and because I knew right. she was corner. And without that, you know, like without having that, I don't think you can sometimes really reach your full potential as a man. That's just my opinion. You know, I think that that's, that's a part of you that you have to experience in order to really reach yeah. um, your potential. Cause you definitely have to humble yourself to, to uh, be a good husband. Yeah, for sure. Or, be a, or to be a good father. Yeah. I don't think you really grow up until you get married. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think, I yeah. Think married a little bit later well i guess i thought it was later i got married when we were i was like 26 27 or no no i was like i take it back i was like 28 28 yeah so get those numbers right because they all add up wait a second what are you talking about yeah so (laughs) yeah because i i had that conversation here recently with one of my sons and the the thought that i share is we live in a narcissistic society now yeah and if you're just looking at yourself superficially because narcissism is is based on a lack of humility to me and if you're not in a mindset to fight that narcissism everything's about me at the end of the day then there's no way you can be successful in a marriage you know um, not being willing to empathize and put yourself in that other person's position, or as I said, not being willing to look at yourself through another person's, you know, lens and see yourself from that perspective and then be willing to go, oh, yeah, I need to change that. Or, yeah, that's not good. Or what I said did come off wrong. You know, so those those types of things are important. And I think this generation... And this narcissistic culture we live in, where it's me, I'm taking selfies, look what I'm doing, look what I just accomplished, look at my shoes, look at look at me, all it's all about me. And that's a challenge why marriage is not uh, as prominent now, um, I believe so. Yeah. And I don't even really see what we can do to change and turn that around. Yeah. Because, you know, when you look at it, it's, it's, I I just don't, I don't even really know where to even start on how to turn that around. You know, I always encourage guys. I'm like, look, man, if you're trying to find a wife, go for it. Like if you, if you have kind of, if you have any kind of interest, cause some guys aren't like that. Some guys ain't built like that. Some guys are like, yo, I'm going to stay monogamous. I'm not, you know, they're just not built like that. And I, that's fine. Right. You know I mean, like I know guys like that and I know, and I'm like, Hey, that's you. But, um, I think at the end of the day, if you really want to grow into a man and really grow into, to, I, I believe your purpose. Um, mm-hmm. I think that is marriage. Cause it's going to show you so much of yourself that you're like, Ooh, I didn't know all this stuff was there. You know what I'm saying? And it'll hold you back. Yeah. That's great. That is good. That's good. So what would you think that, uh, you know, with, and, and I, I'll ask it this way, cause this is what I'm thinking is, you know, being married for 37 years, what, what do you mm-hmm. think would you say is the biggest uh, success that you've had within your marriage over those 37 years? Wow. Uh, I would say that the idea of 
staying married for 37 years, I mean, that's a success all by itself. And I would say that, you know, we're relatively happy with each other and we're happy where we are in life. And God has blessed us and we still have influence on younger couples and, and other individuals in our sphere of influence. So, you know, that's just an, a success. But I also say that I feel comfortable when I look in the mirror. You know, I'm not, I'm not completely happy with that guy in the mirror, but I'm happy with the guy in the mirror. And, you know, I've tried in all my roles, my community role, uh, of running for offices or being a civic league president, all of that, uh, I've served, you know, and so when, you know, we moved from Norfolk to Suffolk now and I've been contacted and I said, well, you know, my focus now is on the five grandkids and knowing this, this stage of our life, you know, my wife's retired and, and so we're home together, you know, the majority of the day. And so just that being self-reflective because of that encouragement that I received uh, in my village as a young man, um, I think I've done okay. Yeah. You know, I think I've done okay. One thing I wanted to say, too, in my role as father, in light of the conversation that we had about our dads, I don't know the situation now that was going on, but I sense... At this particular time, I think one of my sons had gotten in some trouble. And I heard God say to me, you know, not, not an audible voice, but it says that scripture in the Bible that says, don't provoke your, your children to anger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so while I was self-reflective, I think God had had that, that was a, a defining moment for me in my relationship with my sons and even with my sons in the community was that how would I approach them on a serious situation? How would I approach them to share wisdom um, and not provoke anger in them, but still stay connected while being, um, you know, that mentor by being their father and all of that. So, yeah, man, I, I, I've done some re reflection on that question and definitely not a perfect man, definitely not a perfect father or husband or grandfather, uh, definitely not a perfect military officer, but I've been blessed. I really have, yeah, that's you good. know, that's and good. have been given much grace. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I, think, I think I think what's what 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 I'm really encouraged about is, you know, you reflecting on that. And mm -hmm. on that statement of, you know, not stirring up, you know, your kids to wrath and, and, and yeah. having more of an approach that is, is it, I, I feel like it uses more wisdom, right? It's more wisdom mm -hmm. and like, okay, I can't come at this like, you know, a bat out of hell. I gotta like, you know, right. I mean, right. as wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. Like that's one of my mm -hmm. favorite things of metaphors to look at. And uh, I, I think why that's important that 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 you reflect on and have that approach and mm -hmm. even having this conversation, you know, like for you, you're 
you're a generation above me, right? But mm -hmm. I still connect and I always look at I always look at the generations ahead of me and say, okay, what can I learn? Because you've already gone through it, right? You mm -hmm. you know you're telling me now and I'm at the beginning stage of this, I'm like, oh, okay, now I can kind of know what to expect. The issue I feel like sometimes with the generation ahead of myself in connecting with like the generation behind me and some of the younger kids is like what you're saying. Sometimes when they do approach the younger kids, it's with such like harshness that they're like, all right, and I'm not saying, you know, be all sensitive, but like, right, right. I understood. there's sometimes there's no kind of tact in it and no kind of diplomacy to where some of the younger generation can say, all right, yeah, I'm hearing what you're saying. Like I'm listening to what you're saying instead of just shutting you off, you know? And, and so I think that's, that's, that's really, that's really, you know, a benefit to being able to connect with that. Cause we need it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think when you recognize that you've been given much, yeah, then it comes, then that saying comes into who much is given much is required. required. And I would say to any man that's still here, or if God's not finished with you. Yeah. And not only does that mean that he's not finished working on you, but he's not finished with you working in your sphere of influence. We all have been given a sphere of influence. And we have to get out of the, the, the narcissistic mindset because there's somebody that we can connect with. Mm -hmm. and, and, and as I mentioned, the encouragers that I had in life, you know, there may be somebody that, that that you're supposed to encourage in some way through a relationship, through a word, through a friendship. Um, and if you're still here, that work is still to be done. True. Very true. What? Do, how do you feel about men and finding their purpose? Because I've been, I've been thinking a lot about purpose lately, like what it is mm -hmm. to to move with purpose. You know, one of the things that I feel like we, we probably both got to experience and this is just, you know, me, this observation, when you're in the military, you are almost given like an automatic sense of purpose. You know, mm -hmm. it's nothing really, I haven't really, only thing I've experienced that kind of resembles that is being a pastor and being in that role. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing really like no, like knowing, like when I put on a uniform, I have a job to do. I have a responsibility. This is something way bigger than me and it gives you purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. So I have been thinking about being in those situations. And sometimes as a man, you find yourself in this season where you don't know or understand like what your purpose is. Have you ever been in, in, in kind of some of those seasons before in life, like where you felt like, I don't know what my purpose is right now. I have been, um, and it is basically at that moment of time. But I think that if a man becomes self-reflective, like if a man who's listening to us talk tonight would just take a moment to go back and look back over his life, look at the patterns, look, look at the stuff that has happened in his life, look at the people who's been in his life, and go, wow, I see something here. Then I think that that will give them, and, and when I say a mature man, I'm not talking age. I'm just talking about a man who, who understands the importance of self-reflection. 
is you could be 25 and go, wow, hold on, wait a minute. Let me stop right now and figure out, hey, this is where I come from. So this self-reflection, which is an important tool for every man, I think that that will, that will give you a clue. You know, I'll, I'll tell you one group that I was with. Um, I mentioned, you mentioned I work with the Up Center. I did a group in one of the, re the, the regional jails. And I had the men to draw a timeline. And the timeline, you know, we joked about the art and stuff because we drew all drew stick men. And I said, hey, on this timeline, you're going to put a dot on one end and an arrow on another end. Now, these men are locked up in a regional jail. Most of them were either, probably half of them were about to be shipped to a prison. Mm -hmm. And so I told them on this timeline, put some key events on the bottom, you know, put some key people on the top and just, you know, this is your homework. So I came back the next week, this 55 year old brother, I think he had two master's degrees, was willing to stand up and talk about his timeline because he was being shipped off for domestic assault, I believe. And he stood up and said, Hey, this is my dad. You notice my dad was here, and then he popped up again here. And then he popped up again. He was gone, then he popped up again. And then he popped up again. And he said, for the first time in 55 years, I realized that I'm living the same pattern that my dad did. Mm. Because when I know, because of the details behind this, I think my dad had what I'm dealing with. And I don't, I don't remember, it might've been bipolarism at the time or some mental health challenge. But if a man, you know, just back to the general answer, if we become self-reflective of where we were brought to this point in time, I think you'll better understand your purpose. Mm, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I don't, Yeah, and I think it, it makes sense because I think what I'm hearing and, and, what I kind of interpret it as is that self-reflection, it kind of really gives you clarity, right? Like you, mm -hmm. like with this guy that was 55 years old, he draws us out and then all of a sudden the light bulb goes on like, hey, yeah. like I didn't, I never, because you never took the time to look back on it. You never right. realize like what the patterns are and that's good. Yeah. Right. That's really a good way to look at it. I never, yeah, cause I've been really marinating on it for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just being a man with purpose, you know, I heard a quote, this guy said that, um, he said a warrior without a war is like a man without purpose. Right. So there's something mm -hmm. that I feel like God builds us, especially as men, especially everybody, God builds mm -hmm. us with a tent and it says, Hey, Nicholas, Billy, this is what I intended for you to live out on mm -hmm. the physical plane. And uh, and we, I think a part of our mission is really to find it. So that self-reflection is good. It sounds like you've been doing a lot of self-reflection lately. Just kind of. Well, not lately. It's just been through. It's Well, yeah, because I transitioned to being retired. Yeah. But yeah. I've done this, I think, I can't tell you no particular time, but I've done this for years. Yeah. Because, you know, I've, I've on this journey of life, I have just like question, okay, what's up? But then I had to go, well, no, let me look back for a minute. Yeah. 
You know, God has just inclined me to look back and go, okay, all right, I see that. I see this. Um, yeah, okay, so it's making sense to me now. So I'm supposed to serve other people. Yeah. You know, and then transitioning to where I am now, okay, so I got to serve that next generation. Yeah. I'm talking family now. Right. But I wanted to throw something back in here, too, about that statement that you made. Because I think when you talk about a warrior and a war, I think it's internal first. For sure. Before yeah. it's external. Yeah. You know, you got to get in the habit of saying, like you, like I'm working out now, you know, like two or three times a week trying to lift. You know, I, I don't even have any program. I just go for about 15 minutes and get my muscles, you know, do More. some bench pressing. <laughs> Some, yeah. some squatting, and then I'm like, okay, I feel it. I can leave. But I just know that as men, that we have to self-reflect and do the things that's in our heart to do so that we can take that next step forward, whatever that might be. Right. You know, whatever that might confront us with. You know what I mean? And if we aren't looking at ourselves and we're more concerned about other people looking at us, that's kind of a losing situation because I'd rather look at myself first and say, okay, is because who can, who, who can I control? I can't control somebody looking at me and what they think about me. I can only control what I see about myself that I know that I need to work on. And God has just given me that mindset to really self-reflect and try to work on it. I'm still a work in progress. And yeah. still work on the things that I can. That's what I can control. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a lot of wisdom to it. Just that mm -hmm. self-reflection. I think for me, that's the main thing I'm getting out of this conversation. It's just getting into the practice. Because you've meant this is not the first time you mentioned self-reflection. You've you know, right. mentioned it throughout. And I'm like, okay, that's that's where we're at um, with it. Let's say somebody younger, somebody coming up that, you know, there may be in a place in their lives as men and they want to change, right? They want to, you mm -hmm. know, like my whole concept is, is recreated. Like I, I got to a point in life where I said, you know what, I don't have to be what everybody says or what my failures say. I can really create the life that I want to live. Right. And being mm -hmm. able to what would you say to a, a younger guy that may find himself in that situation now? knowing what you know, gone through on how he can start to change his life if that's what he's after? Well, there's a, there's a simple way to say what, what I've been saying about self-reflection. And that is, it's okay if other people lie to you. Just don't lie to yourself. Mm. Don't lie to yourself about your, your, your strengths. Don't lie to yourself about your weaknesses. And those things that, that bring you, you know, that you can focus on your, you know, focusing on your strengths um, is great. And you should focus on your strength. But those areas where you know, and maybe you don't know because you've, you've kind of pushed it somewhere in your mind uh, behind some false wall, um, don't lie to yourself about those things, you know. And it's really between you and God in my, in my, you know, I don't know if they believe in God or not, but it's really between you and the God that created you. Yeah. 
You know, if you, if you, yeah, other people, let them lie to you all day long and tell you everything, you know, but just don't lie to yourself. Be true to yourself positively and negatively and and be the if you want to be the best man that you can be that's the best thing i think you can do yeah yeah that's good that's good man yeah that's some good advice right there other yeah, people yeah. don't lie to yourself yeah. i like that I wrote that down i said that's good that's good okay. <laughs> cool deal so man what, what do you have you know as we, we wrap this uh this conversation up man i appreciate mm -hmm. your time i appreciate this wisdom i appreciate your friendship and um you know just being an example you know, I always look and I say, okay, you know, I turned 40 last year and I was okay. like, I didn't think I was going to go make 40. Like, you know, growing up, like, you don't think that far into it. So I'm always encouraged when I see someone that I can look up to and somebody that I can admire and say, okay, there's, just keep on pushing Nick, Cause there's, you know, yeah. there's, there's good yeah. coming for us wrapping up. What do you, do you have anything coming up? that uh you know we need to know about anything that you're working on anything that you could let people know about well you know i'm still selling real estate so if there's anybody out there that needs uh a good real estate agent who will work hard for them and hey, give me a call i'll be your real estate agent but Thanks. i'm also you know i'm i've been for a number of years thinking about starting my own governmental contracting business so i'm, I'm working on that now and that's primarily providing services and supplies to the government. Uh, and the services vary. I've, I've had some contracts of providing some, um, some artwork. Um, and I don't do art. I don't do painting. But I have friends that do. And so I've, I've finished the contract on that, have another one that's pending. And just looking at expanding and scaling that up uh, so that I can provide for the family and do something that I always felt like, God, why did you bring me, why, why did you give me those military experiences of being a logistician? You know, why did you give me that ability to kind of pivot and, and, and supply water and supply fuel? Um, and again, I'm trying to be accountable to the experiences that he gave me. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I would say to any man that even a negative experience, whether it might be alcoholism, um, it might be some kind of abuse that we survived. There's a there's a there's a positive thing that can come out of that by helping someone that's probably maybe younger that has gone through that and they don't know they don't know what to do but they can talk to somebody who has survived it. You see? Right. So that's why I'm saying that when you look back, then you, you have a sense of gratitude for what you've been brought through, what you survived. And that don't mean you survived 100%. It might mean you survived 75%, but you still survived. For sure. And yeah. now maybe, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You might still have some scars, but maybe somebody will see those scars and say, hey, wait a minute, how'd you get that scar? Because I got the same thing. And then now you can help bring somebody else along. So, you know, this, this, is, this conversation, you know, we could talk all night, man, but what you're doing and your sphere of influence and, and your messaging 
that is kind of probably, you probably don't know what you're going to talk about three months from now, five months from now. But I think everything that you're talking about is timely for somebody. Right. It really is. So keep doing what you're doing. Um, God has given you the, the knowledge of all this technology and all of that, brother. So just keep doing what you're doing, man. I encourage you like I was encouraged as a kid. Yeah, for you sure. Know, just I, keep doing what's in your heart to do. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. That that That's definitely received and definitely it definitely builds encouragement, man. It definitely, you know, just uh, it's like you said, we have, you know, something that you said that really sticks out in my mind is like we have an accountability to do something with it. Like, you yeah, know, we do. Yeah. We, it doesn't matter what we've gone through. If it was traumatic, we have an accountability to that. If it was people that encouraged us, we have account. we're accountable to those people. Mm -hmm. So, um, and so that's, that's really encouraging, man. Okay. So if somebody wants to connect with you, man, where can they find it? You? you got any, any, where are you mainly on Facebook, right? Yeah, I'm mainly on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram, BillyCook43 uh, on both. So they can connect with me there. Um, love to talk to, you know, brothers just, just kicking it or whatever. Uh, so reach out. Yep, definitely reach out. There you go. And I'll put all those links down below, man. Billy, I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your time. I know that, uh, you know, that's uh, one of the most precious things we have. And so I'm, I'm thankful that you give us some of your time. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation on today's show. Before I sign off today, if you're a man out there, you feel stuck, you feel frustrated, you're trying to figure out how to get into that flow, how to find your life's purpose, live in your power and live in your God-given position. And I wanna invite you to Recreated Manus Community, specifically for men. It's a safe space where we can learn, heal and grow absolutely free. We have monthly check-ins, monthly challenges that we do just to keep each other accountable and help add value to our lives. I'll make sure I drop that link down in the description below. Until next time, keep learning, keep healing, and keep growing. Peace.